Hello Soloers, before we open up with the next episode, I wanted to once again thank the sponsor, Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort, for sponsoring Solo Powered. They of course are offering their flying solo breaks, €168 for overnight bed and breakfast in a deluxe bedroom, three-course evening meal in their grill restaurant and access to their award-winning spa. So I highly recommend um, booking a night away for yourself to indulge in some relaxation and rejuvenation. I myself have just come back from a trip in South Africa. I was on a work trip, but I did have a big, beautiful hotel room to myself. And there's nothing like coming into a room, getting into your robe and slippers, lying in your big bed, scrolling on your phone, watching TV, and just doing whatever it is that you want to do in some quiet time, some quiet space. Um, read a magazine, listen to a podcast, or you might want to read a book which my next guest, the fabulous Vicky Notaro, has just announced the launch of her new book, Reality Check. We have a name, people. Um, so I'm very excited for you to listen to this next episode. Very excited for you to book that flying solo package in Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort. Don't forget, there's also a competition for you to win a breakaway uh, to Seafield Hotel and Spa Resort. All you have to do is tag yourself doing something solo. Tag me on Instagram, hashtag solo powered, and you'll be in with a chance of winning that solo break. So thanks so much, and I hope you enjoy the next episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Solo Powered with me, Ariana Dunn. This is a podcast that celebrates doing things solo, whether that be solo business, solo travel, solo journey to parenthood, single by choice, solo adventure, or solo pursuits of passion. Remember, this is not about living a lonely life. This is about living the most full life on your terms. My next guest on this episode is the fabulous Vicky Nataro. Vicky and I have known each other for many, many years in the world of publishing, the world of magazines. Vicky was the managing director of VIP Publishing here in Ireland, which publishes some of the most popular magazines such as Stellar, um, TV Now and of course VIP Magazine. It also published Kiss Magazine, which was one of the uh, first magazines that I was published in as a fledgling journalist back in the day. It's also represented now as a website. Um, Vicky was my editor for two years in Stellar Magazine when I had a dating and relationship column and I uh, talked about all of my different dates that I went on. Um, Vicky recently left her post as managing director where she was a veritable girl boss for many many years to um, launch her own business in the world of solopreneurism but most exciting of all she also got a book deal with Penguin and Random House um, and her debut novel is going to be released in 2024. Another reason why I'm so excited to have Vicky on the podcast is because she is an only child. And I think that is such a lovely, wonderful perspective um, to have in terms of solo power and what that is like growing up as a solo child um, and the positives um, that come with that. Um, as someone who's thinking about having a kid on my own who will probably be an only child, I'm so excited to hear Vicky's perspective on all of the above. So Vicky, you're very welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. That's a lovely intro. <laughs> I used to write podcast intros for my my guests in my old job and they're always thrilled with them. So now I like being on the other side. <laughs> Thanks a million. 
<laughs> Very good. A lot of it just comes off the top of my head. I just sort yeah. of go with it, which is we've known each other a long time, so that that makes sense. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So welcome. I mean, listen, God, you've been on a journey the last few months. Is it year? How long has it been now since you left? So I left. I finished up in VIP officially in January. Okay. So um it was just kind of a, a confluence of events that all kind of came together like I, I wasn't leaving VIP to become an author you know it's always been a long-held hope of mine yeah. um but that wasn't kind of why I was leaving and then it, it all just kind of happened so it's been the greatest year so far I've it's what now September my favorite time of year so yeah. I'm thrilled um and yeah it's I've been having a blast wow amazing so like I mean obviously you worked in in VIP for a a large part of your career I know you left and worked in some other places um as well I'm sure we we can talk about it's a big decision to make that kind of a decision I know myself having worked in in publishing and being in in that in that kind of senior senior position and then making the decision to leave and go on your own path um which you know hopefully is something that this podcast inspires other people to do if it's something that they've wanted to do so talk to us about that journey like how was it for you making that decision yeah, I mean, I had worked in publishing and specifically in VIP publishing since I was 22. Mm-hmm. So it was 15 years of my life. I'd also worked in the Irish Independent for a few years. I'd been freelance for a few years in between. And I'd gone back to Stellar as editor in chief in January 2017. And that was a crazy year. I got married that year. I bought my house. Like, I don't know how I didn't have a nervous breakdown <laughs> because it was a lot. Um. But it was amazing. And, you know, it was a dream job. Like every kind of, I feel like I've had a lot of dream jobs in my life and I'm very, very lucky for that. Um, but yeah, I had, I just felt like after seven years as editor-in-chief, I kind of done everything I wanted to do in that realm. And um, publishing is amazing and it's exciting. And I was always such a nerd about it that when I kind of felt myself falling out of love with the basics then I was just like, what am I doing? I'm so young. I was kind of, I felt like I was kind of a bit too young to have had such a position, not only as editor-in-chief, which that was fine. It was the managing director position. That was, I never really wanted to be in upper management. You know, I'm not, I'm I'm a bit of a softie. So I I felt like I wasn't a great boss. And I, you know, all the financial stuff went over my head. You know, I've never seen myself in that kind of position. And when the opportunity came along, I was like, brilliant, because I'm such a lick. I was like, I can do that. I'm the best girl, you know, I'll be able to do that. And, you know, it was great. We did some amazing things, very successful. And those things have have gone on without me, which I'm thrilled about. Like I started two award ceremonies, one for business with Irish female entrepreneurs and one for content creators. And to know that they'll live on is just so kind of satisfying for me. Um, but yeah, once the decision kind of just, it was creeping up on me for a long time. And then it just kind of crystallized late last year. I came back from a holiday to Mexico where going on the holiday, I just felt a bit burnt out and I came back and just, I wasn't thrilled to be back. And I was thinking to myself, you're so young. I think I was still, you know, still 36 then. (laughs) I was like, you're so young. You're in a very privileged position in that, you know, you've bought your house, your wedding's paid for, you you know, your husband has a decent job. Just take some time out and figure out what it is you want to do with your life, with the rest of your life. Um, so there was a few things, you know, I have passions for like beauty and um, for actually for advertising, for creative stuff as well. Um, so in all of that thinking, at the same time, um, I was approached by a woman in Penguin and she'd asked me if I ever had considered writing fiction. And I was like, hell yeah, of course, like <laughs> who hasn't? <laughs> 
and then that just I'd handed in my notice at that point and then it just all kind of came together really amazingly and like once in a lifetime kind of stuff like they they bought my book off the strength of four chapters and an outline of what would happen in the rest of it so yeah since January I have been I, I wrote my book pretty quickly because it just kind of flew out um, and because I had the outline you know I knew what was going to happen in every chapter and then since like I think April or maybe early May we've been tweaking it it's a very slow process mm. um especially compared to magazines um and now we're just in the position where the kind of proof copies are about to go out next month to media and book bloggers and uh, booksellers so it's all becoming very real now um mm. But yeah, I, you know, I can say with some confidence and happiness that it's it was the best decision I ever made, kind of striking out on my own. And I've, I'm very lucky. I know a lot of people in the industry and they know that I'm a hard worker. So editors have been giving me work to tide mm. me over, which is great. I make that sound like charity. It's not. <laughs> <I'm a good laughs> but, you know, I have a column in the Sunday Times. I do bits for the Indo and... Um, I do a beauty column for the the Males U magazine and to be honest that's loads like yeah. that's like a lot and I do some consulting as well with, with particularly beauty brands um, but it's just all felt very easy and balanced and I feel like I have my life is wildly different now to yes. what it was last year for the yeah. for the better yeah it's amazing look congratulations it's been so lovely to see you on this journey like as someone who kind of had had been there and like you know I I remember you coming back from Mexico and kind of announcing and sort of saying that you were more tired you know coming yes. back from holidays that you were <laughs> that you were you know so stressed kind of going away getting everything ready doing the handover and then coming back to a mountain of emails and I and I you know I see that um, and like I completely empathize with you you know I was in uh, a, a scene, senior senior positions responsible for a huge amount and not liking myself um, of like who I was as a boss you know and 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 it's difficult because when you are in your career and that career progression and we have this whole idea of this women breaking the, the glass ceiling yeah. and women having to kind of like forge the path for the women coming behind us you know and and you know you kind of go up and up and up this ladder and you accept all of these promotions and these opportunities that come your way because you feel that's exactly. what you're supposed to yeah. but actually when you get to that point you're like oh this is not what I want this I've is lost sight of why I got into this in the first exactly. place and I mean so much of the stress for me was that I was kind of still doing all the the magazine stuff as well you know mm. so it wasn't like I was able to focus and you know like looking back that was exactly what was happening I was too I was doing too much I was doing mm. events I was doing a podcast I was doing the magazine I was managing the business mm. you know it's too much for one person but me being me I was like I can handle it you know mm. and it wasn't that it, it was never that I couldn't handle it I could but it was at the the kind of sacrifice of my own sanity and mm. and, and happiness and you know lifestyle I wanted mm. to have a lifestyle mm. <laughs> you know? I wanted and like it was a big decision to walk away and one that many people I think wouldn't do because there are so many perks like lovely press trips and lovely you know free makeup and and getting to go to fun things and and I kind of had to have a word with myself before I, I left in that, you know, you have to tell your ego now that, you know, you won't be getting these invites and these um lovely press drops and stuff anymore. And that doesn't mean that you're less than and that, you know, because that had been my whole career was being very kind of the thing with publishing, as you know, there's lots of perks. The money isn't great, but there's lots of perks. So you can kind of over identify with it, especially being a, a magazine editor. You can think 
you know, that's my entire identity. And who am I if I'm not that anymore? So there was a lot of kind of personal grappling with that. And then I kind of made my peace with it. And once I did that, once I kind of let go of the ego surrounding it all, I was just like, oh, I can actually do what's going to make me happy now. Mm. And I mean, I I didn't I also didn't want to get to the stage where I had a bad taste in my mouth. So I left on great terms, delighted. You know, it was I was very lucky in, in that respect and, you know, was able to do a very smooth handover and left. I left happy. Mm. And I think that's really important. I think a lot of people stay in situations you know in any situation whether it's personal or professional oftentimes until they're unhappy mm. and I just I, and like I said I had the privilege to be able to make that decision for myself because a lot of people would would have to stay in a job they're unhappy in because they can't afford to leave mm. so I was always very aware of that as well I wanted to kind of get that across mm. um, yeah but- it's, it's so it's so interesting you know I like as, as I say you, you know completely completely empathize with with all of that and it is you kind of you you look at yourself and you go god like I mean I'm in this great position I'm in an enviable position you know you yes. certainly were the editor-in-chief of a magazine you know as uh, I remember what it's like to be a fledgling journalist you know coming out of college and thinking someday I'll be editor yeah. of a magazine you know it's what movies are made of you know it's like yeah, it's like you see these yeah little literally movies and tv shows of like the, you know these young girls who are like you know, devil wears Prada, like everybody I'll wants do to anything. Get to that. Yeah, I'll do anything. Yeah. And there you are, you yeah. know, with that title as well as managing director, and then to to step away. And a lot of people will be like, think you're mad. I mean, I yeah. I bought my apartment and quit my job seven months later. <laughs> you know, like it was just but it is having that blind faith in yourself and that yes. blind faith in, and I think this is something that I talk to my coaching clients about. Um, you know, a lot of the reason why I stayed in my role for as long as I did was because people were telling me that I was good at it. But I realized that actually I can be good at whatever I put my mind to. So if I decide to be good at something and I work hard at it and I'm passionate about it, that I can make a success of that. It doesn't have to be in the one career or the one lane that you've been put in. You can diversify and kind of like- I mean, don't get me wrong. I loved being told I was the best girl. Like, you know, (laughs) and that that also comes from being an only child to wanting to please everyone and be be as much as you can possibly be so that everybody's delighted. Because, you know, I grew up and, and my mother will tell me this and tell anybody, this people always say to her oh you had just the one yeah so I grew up being just the one and I think in my mind I, I always wanted to be the best then just to kind of you know be worth it be worth only having the one like nice. <laughs> um, so I think that definitely had something to do with it and yes if somebody's telling you you're great at stuff it's very difficult to walk away from it but I remember last year specifically thinking about doing another Christmas issue, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd always loved Christmas issues because I'm a Disney adult. You know, I love I love all that kind of Christmassy, nostalgia, festive stuff. And I remember going, God, another Christmas issue, sparkles and a gift guide. And that was stuff that I would have always loved. So I was like, well, what am I doing if I hate yeah. the gift guide? Yeah. Then, or, if, you know, if I'm sick of it, if I'm burnt out from it, then what am I doing? Like, yeah. Um, yeah. So that was really that was like August or September last year that I was really like oh god like it's time to go before you end up hating it. Yeah, you're you right, know? and it is it's hard when you work in publishing because we're working so far in advance of ourselves. Exactly. Like so, I I was out for with some friends the other day. We were out during the day, and I left Molly, my dog, at home, and I suddenly was like oh god, it's it's gonna get dark now at four o'clock. I forgot to leave the light on for her. <laughs> I was like, and then I, my friends were looking at me. They were like, well, no, it's like September. September. They're like, they're like the clocks haven't gone 
back yet. I was, they were like, it stayed right till half seven. I was like, oh my God, I'm working on the Christmas, I'm working on the Christmas issue of the magazine. You know, we're yeah. closing November. I'm like, my months are gone. I, I was already yeah. in the depths of winter. Every year I'd be yeah. like, I'm over Christmas by the time it arrived. So yeah. I'm actually looking forward to a normal lead up to Christmas this year. That'd be nice. Yeah. It's, it's so different in magazine land. And yeah. And it, it can be so exciting, like, you know, the, the invites are starting to come in now for the Christmas parties in October. And that's so fun. Like, you know, you'll go to all the, the supermarket Christmas parties and taste the nibbles and stuff like that. Like, it's great crack. But is it good enough to, you know, stay in something no. that's not fulfilling you anymore? For me, it wasn't. No. So I, I yeah. still get that invite. So I'll still. I'll still yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No, you still will. And look, the thing about it is, is that it's a it's a very brave decision to do that and you know you talk about you referenced sort of the conversation that you had to have with your ego and I think that's a really big one as well I I had friends visiting over from London media friends as well and you know a friend of mine was saying that she's in this job um that she kind of feels like she should be higher up the the job but she said I know it's just an ego thing because she said I'm quite happy with my job quite happy with the money that I'm getting paid with the role that I'm doing but my ego is telling me that I should have a higher title or that I should have and she's like it, it actually doesn't really matter and that sometimes we do need to have those conversations with our ego and kind of understand what is it that makes us happy and what is it that is important to us and when I made the decision to step down I, I knew that I would probably initially um you know be earning less money and I would have like you know less perks of you know working for myself but if you can reconcile that with the fact that I can take my dog for a walk during the middle of the day or I can you know do things on my own terms then then that's where value you know we need to understand what we measure success by and I think we we get taught by the movies by the tv shows that our measurement of success is getting to the top of that career ladder whereas exactly exactly whereas actually for me success is freedom and time and the ability to do things that I want to do and um, I think that's so underestimated <laughs> oh it is and like I said I don't think I would have been able to do it so easily if it wasn't for my husband so I have mm-hmm. to acknowledge that that that's not quite so solo solo part of me but at the same time I haven't been you know I haven't been getting handouts from him I've still been you know doing my own thing but the comfort and safety of knowing that we had his salary was a big part of it so I have to I have to acknowledge that because you know I, I wasn't starting from nothing you yeah. know I had yeah. savings and and I was prepared so I'm not advocating for people to just throw in the towel either do you know what I mean yeah. it was yeah. it was a very kind of conscious well thought out well planned decision but it has gone better than I imagined I haven't yeah. had to be like Joe can I have 50 euros yeah 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 <laughs> um and I've actually really enjoyed I was slightly worried about being self-employed again because the last time I was self-employed which would have been like 2015 2016 I was very lonely and you know I was really hustling all the time for work because when you're a features writer your currency is ideas Mm. so I'd be tormenting myself trying to come up with ideas and in fairness to me like financially I was doing very well you know it was a very lucrative um racket but it burnt me out so quick like I can't even tell you how stressful it was because you didn't have one editor you had 15 and you were trying to balance the ideas for all of them and keep them all happy and, you know, not, you know, write something that's too similar for two different places. It was very stressful. And I was always, always, always worried about making money, mm. you know, I was very financially motivated. So yes. I was worried about that this time. And I knew that, it, you know, I, I wouldn't need to be quite as financially motivated. So that was freeing. Mm. But I was worried I was going to be lonely. 
Mm. And I haven't been. And it's, mm. you know, you get the odd twinge mm. when I see my old work pals all playing together, but they still invite me to stuff, <laughs> which is great. But like, even just being part of a team, I would get the odd twinge. But like, I've been out this morning with my best friend for an hour and a half long walk, mm. and I've plans for the rest of the week to meet up with pals for coffee and stuff. So I think it's about how, like you said, how you manage your time and mm. about how you, what you value more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was a bit worried that I'd go a bit mad because I did have, I was very anxious the last time I was freelance, but mm. it's a very different type of being freelance now. It's not, I'm not hustling constantly. Mm. Um, I have my things that I have to get done every week. I have my book and yeah, it's, it is different. So I'm happy. Yeah. With it. But you know, look, and I mean, look, at the end of the day, we all have support networks. We all have yeah. people that we rely upon, you know, obviously, I'm not married I don't have kids and like you know I, I didn't have that to rely on but if I did I absolutely would have utilized it so it's, yeah you know <laughs> I mean it's handy. It's just, handy. exactly I mean you know I had a I have a friend you know over the weekend who is really miserable in her job and she's married and she you know she has kids um and you know, she you know would love to would love to leave her job but there was this a stigma that she had around that about this whole idea of like a woman being reliant on her husband or not having her own income and what people would think and if you know if she became a stay-at-home mom would there be you know so this whole idea that women we, we have to be able to do it all and you know even if we have the support it's still some some a, a very difficult decision for people okay. to do because all of those things are are things that I'm sure you would have considered as well at some point there's, right? there's always stigma with everything we're going to do right people are always going to have an opinion on everything yeah that we do so with me you know joe was just very supportive he was just like figure it out like take six months take a year figure it out and luckily i didn't need that time yeah. you know i was still learning uh, you know yeah like and i think if you are going to be a stay-at-home mom there's still loads of stuff you can do even if you're not on someone's payroll like yeah, yeah. Even, like volunteering community activities and, and mother and baby stuff like being a mom is a full-time job jesus yeah. like yeah I, I i personally don't want children we're not having children so yeah. Um, I can't imagine how people honestly do it all. I really can't imagine how fair play to them. Yeah. Um, yes, this, I just feel like there's stigma about everything. So if you're going to worry about what other people are going to say, then you're going to be, you know. And I think, I think you know, you obviously, you do have a husband and, and he has been able to support you. But I, if you didn't, Vicky, I think you would still be successful and you still would have been able to make it work so. for yourself. And you <laughs> obviously I have, you know, it's, you know, you're, you have all of these columns and you're writing this book and, you know, you know, if you needed to earn more, you, you, you could have. I could, sure. exactly. And I still could, I could be doing more, you exactly. know, exactly. the whole point was to have a nicer, easier life. So yes. you know, yes. I, I am doing that, but, you know, I feel like I did my, in the early days, we're together 10 years. So in the early days of our relationship, I feel like I paid my dues as well. Yes. Yes. You know, Joe's had a very support each other swift ascent exactly so like he's in a brilliant place um but yes it's been it's very much been give and take throughout our whole relationship and yeah. he would think that as you know which is what a marriage is which a marriage yeah. you know you, you, you to love and support each other yeah absolutely um so tell us can you tell us a little bit about your book I don't know how much I can tell you yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you what I know I can um so it is set between Los Angeles and Kerry oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. um it is about a family um and it is about a mother who is famous yeah. in a 
reality TV world who's you know about the same age as my own mom like in her early 60s and her two grown-up daughters and them all going through crises at the same time okay Um, and it's glamorous and it's sexy and I think it's quite funny and uh, escapist is the word I like to use with it so it's you know it it looks at kind of family dynamics and relationships and and you know the the difficulties of this like very online and very visible lives that we all lead in this day and age but with humor and a bit of glamour thrown in amazing I'm so excited about it it's been like people say to me like what what was the process like and I'm like amazing because some people hate it some authors especially debut authors they don't like the edit you know they they get they get irritated but like I knew that as a a magazine editor that the book edit was only going to make my draft stronger Mm. I was very open to the process and it was very collaborative and I have the best editor in the world Patricia she's amazing and yeah I've I've absolutely loved it my only kind of qualm is that it moves pretty slow I'm like can we get this thing out but it will be out in April next year Right. Um, and yeah proofs and all of that jazz are going out soon so people will see the title there'll be a cover reveal all of that is kind of mm. coming and I mean before I know it it'll be April so I'm <laughs> seeing I'm seeing leopard print on that cover right? oh 100 percent 100 percent and a forward by Marion Keys or a recommendation well, something <laughs> um, you know, the publisher really really got me because I'd been in talks with a publisher before and they were lovely but they just we just weren't vibing in the right way mm. whereas this publisher they got me from day one you know they understood what I was about and they you know they they got the idea and they got the kind of yeah the concept and yeah they were they were kind of wide open to to my pitch um from day one so that's been amazing because it's been very supportive and collaborative and they're not afraid to let me be a bit glamorous and and sexy which is good good, all I want I mean that's just amazing and you sort of said you've you know you've been very lucky to have been in dream job so to go from that to be I mean it is a dream of mine to write a book Mm. uh, you know something that I would love to do eventually one day as well so it's so inspiring and like massive congratulations thank you it's so good I feel a bit I'm like my book is very kind of normal it's not it's not like historical fiction or magical realism it's a very normal story about normal people yeah and I feel like that was always the book kind of books that I want to write like um about you know hum, real humans and I always have so much respect for novelists and, and writers who have to do so much research for their books like my research was going to California for three weeks yeah 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 <laughs> and going to restaurants so I'd be able to like accurately describe them and I was again <laughs> so lucky but I'm no fool you know I did that on purpose (laughs) I'm like what do I want to write about well reality tv and social media and glamour and and fun and also the dark side of all of that so Mm. it was it was absolutely amazing but yeah like being a novelist is like a million different experiences in one like I don't think any one writer has the same you know path creative path and then path to being published Mm. I was very lucky in that they approached me because of people I knew you know Mm. I knew people and I'd been yapping about wanting to write a book and because I had a profile in Ireland already Mm. they approached me so I you know I haven't been fighting from the ground up this was very a very lucky break but I think what people then don't understand is taking that lucky break and getting it to the point of being published is that's the real work Um, and a lot of people get book deals and they don't materialize or they don't materialize for ages like look at George Martin who wrote Game of Thrones he's been writing that book for like 12 years or something yeah, yeah. um so it's it, the process is different for everybody 
and for me I've been very very lucky with it yeah so far. and you know what like I mean look we, we you know you, you we come from a, a land of saints and scholars we're well known in this country <laughs> for our, our storytelling we know we we have incredible noble laureates and people you know I saw there's two Irish people on the Booker Prize list yeah but we also have Marianne Marian. and Patricia Scanlon <laughs> and, and you Sarah know Breen and Eamon Ashlings. exactly yeah. exactly and I mean you know there is absolutely a place on everyone's book shelf for okay. for the the tomes and oh, I'm commercial like, holiday yeah absolutely yeah. From the second and I met them I was like I am commercial fiction I'm the anti-Sally Rooney that doesn't mean I'm anti-Sally Rooney I think she's amazing <laughs> but I'm not literary I'm commercial you know I this is a, a fun book a fun yeah. beach read book yes so, and like I was never trying to sell myself as anything else and I think again that's very important to know who you are and what you have to offer because yeah. I was like, I'm going to write a book of, you know, Irish fairy tales. Yeah. That wouldn't work. <laughs> so I was very, yeah, I was very sure of the kind of writer that I wanted to be. Yeah. So. And look, you know, it sounds like you need to, uh, my, I, I'm one of eight, as you know, big family. Yes. Um, and my brother and my sister are flying in from LA in November. And we, no booked, way. A house, we booked a house in Kerry uh, for all of us. <laughs> I know. I, oh exactly. my God, I'll have to send you a proof. Absolutely. Yeah, Absolutely. So we're all coming home. Um, for, well, apart from my sister in Australia, all the rest of my siblings were all coming home in November for the first time to be together in Ireland in about seven years. Oh, um, that's lovely. Yeah, and so we've we've booked a big a big house down there. But you know, I suppose that's a nice sort of segue into the conversation around being a solo child. So yes. I come from a huge family. I'm you know have four sisters, three brothers. I've got fifteen nieces and nephews. There's twenty seven of us in our immediate family when you encounter uh, all of the brother-in-laws and sisters-in-laws and all of that kind of thing um and you know I've talked openly on this podcast about thinking about having a baby uh, on my own and going down that journey um which I'm I'm at that decision point now and I'm yeah. and I'm kind of you know there with that decision but the likelihood is is that child will probably be an only child I'm 42 mm-hmm. in June and you know it's something that I coming from a big family can't really contemplate understand what that must be like to be an only child you know and solo powered is all about you know the 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 empowerment that comes with being on your own and doing things Mm. on your own um so talk to us about that what it's like because I know you've talked about it before publicly and written yeah I have I've written about it and it's funny because in my book I've written about three sisters so for me to not have sisters I've just kind of pulled that out of out of nowhere but anybody that's read it has been like oh it's very it's very realistic it's very Mm. true so yeah I'm an only child um my parents the lovely Denise and Eugene they're fantastic and it wasn't that they didn't want more children it just didn't happen and they were quite content with with myself and we were always a very little you know strong unit of three and I loved it as a child to the point where I would say to my mom don't have any more kids don't want to disrupt our dynamic because I was extremely precocious (laughs) and yeah I, I mean I have two first cousins that I'm extremely close to they're like my brothers um and we all kind of grew up together we'd spend I mean obviously I was by myself day to day but you know we'd spend weekends together and my parents were always very focused on me so I mean I could read before I went to school hence the you know being precocious um and I had a lot of I was never spoiled materially but I was very spoiled with like attention and time 
Mm. And they were, yeah, they were just really brilliant. Like they, they'd focus on me entirely and I never wanted for anything. Um, I was a bit hyper and a bit like, you know, socially inept at first, but I lived on a road in Tala where there was actually two other only children, the exact same age as me, two boys. Wow. It was six months between each of us and two houses between each of us. Oh, we were like, wow. there's something in the water on this road. <laughs> um, so we hung out together all the time. They were boisterous boys. So, mm. you know, they'd fart on my head and I had all that experience with but then they'd go home at night and I wouldn't have to see them so that yeah, was great yeah. <laughs> but yeah I mean I'd play out in the road I then I went to school and I didn't find it difficult to, to you know fit in or make friends or anything like that I was kind of, I, I had a lot of confidence because of how my parents had had raised me to that point um, and yeah it never bothered me I think the first time it ever really occurred to me that it might be an issue as I get older was you know in my 20s I was realizing that, you know, people rely like older people rely on their children and having a few of them is quite good because you can spread out the responsibility. Um, I think that occurred to me. And I remember in my early 20s being like at Christmas and it just being the three of us and, you know, them kind of watching me open in my presence and me being like, oh, I'd love a big boisterous family, you know, at this point. But when I met my husband, he comes from his his parents are separated and his mum and his sister and I are very close so then they became so close with my parents that his sister is she's getting married and she's incorporating some of my mother's wedding dress into her wedding dress wow. how close they are wow. so we're now this little kind of unit of seven mm. and I remember when I started going out with Joe 10 years ago he came for Christmas and I was like this is what it's like to have a Christmas friend <laughs> <You know? laughs> like we had extended family but like it, I feel like now I'm just so grateful that we're this tight knit little bubble and that we know we can go away on holidays quite easily without having to, you know, yeah. um, organize it for years in advance. And yeah, we go out for birthday dinners and and we have bank holiday barbecues and it's all wonderful and I'm so happy. And I think being an only child has given me this gift of confidence and self reliance and independence mm. that I otherwise wouldn't have had. Now. I could perhaps be a bit more robust emotionally because I'm very sensitive and you know siblings I, I believe tend to kick that out of you as as a youth um but yeah I don't feel I've ever wanted for anything in that in that particular regard and I think a lot of people worry that only children will be lonely I didn't feel lonely at all until I was nearly 30 so you know <laughs> yeah. I was a very happy child and, and very kind of my parents made it so that I would have people to play with you know we weren't living in the middle of nowhere it wasn't just just me by myself but you know I did have weird quirks like I'd read the dictionary and stuff like that and learn words and you know I don't think I'd imaginary friends but I had like you know I a big Sylvanian family empire that were my friends you know so but look I I wouldn't do anything differently I wouldn't you know what's so interesting is that you've basically described me as a child right. even though I was right in the middle of a family of eight I was a precocious independent yeah. confident you know and I think I would class all of those reasons because I was from a big family because I was right. like wanting to you know like look at me, stand look out. At me and yeah exactly and to stand out and um and I loved reading and I and because it was nice to kind of have that peace and quiet of being able to kind of go away into a corner with a book and you know not have to be kind of bothered but I'm also sensitive and my family will you know are always going to me Ariana for god's sake stopping so sensitive about stuff um 
so, so just, just to show it's the child it's not the exactly. like people love to talk about birth order and you know where you fall in the family to me that's like astrology like it doesn't really matter yeah. unless you know your dynamic is very kind of severe or difficult or whatever I think you're born who you are and yeah. I think your your upbringing just kind of like fosters that that your nature yeah. um like I I think yeah you and I are really similar and we couldn't have had more different upbringing yeah so. And I think, I you know, that was my, it's my dad's anniversary today. He's 16 years since he passed away today. Um, and, you know, he, he like when he passed away, obviously it was brilliant to have the support of our family and our siblings. But we all had our own individual relationship with him. And it's only afterwards when he died and I'd go, oh, this and I'd start telling a story about dad. From, and they my siblings were like, what are you talking about? And I'm right. like, oh. And it'd be like, oh, he told me that story, but he didn't tell anybody else that story, you know, like, and you kind of, you have this idea that every one of your siblings has the same relationship or had the same conversations or knows the same things about your parents. And it's only after that you realize, oh, like, you know, each child has their own individual relationship. Um, But I will say, you know, obviously my mom is alive and kicking and doing great and, and please God will have her for another 20 years. But I do take comfort in knowing that like when she is gone, that I, I you know, that I, that I won't be alone. And I think that was always a concern of mine about having an only child myself, you know, and particularly having a child on my own, that I'm going to bring in this, this bring this child and that they when I That's go away, you, know, you won't meet someone down the road or that yeah. like your family won't be really involved. Like exactly. I could have never predicted how Joe's family and my family came together. That's I it. That's so lovely to hear that. And like they're, it's it's amazing to me. And uh, yeah, like I think, you know, if anything was ever happened between he and I, I think I'd be just as devastated, about, you know, losing his mother and his sister because I feel like they're mine, you know. Yes. So I just feel like you don't know where life's going to take you. You have to do things that you like want to do, and if you're really sure that you want to do that, yeah. I know single mothers by choice who have the best kids in the whole wide world, like the yeah. most amazing children. And I know some people who've thought about it and decided it wasn't for them. Yeah. that you know they're they're not in a position to to do it and it wouldn't be fair on anybody yeah. so I think honestly listen to your gut like yeah. your gut really doesn't stir, stir you wrong with these things and and I think it'd be amazing yeah thank you very much thank you great support system of friends and family it's, that's it the support system the support system is 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 hugely important in in all of that and you know um I know I won't be on my own uh, and you know I know I will have support and and my my if I have a child it will be one of 16 grandchildren at the moment with possibly even more so you know um cousins do become important and I know how close you are to your cousins yeah Yeah, Yeah. like especially we both know my cousin Trevor Ariane used to work like he lives in Vancouver now and I still feel as close to him you know it doesn't yeah. like I'm, I went to see him recently after the pandemic I was at a nerd conference with my husband in Seattle and I was like feck this I'm going up to Vancouver to see Trev for 48 hours wow all time and we did it was amazing um but I only I remember being on the bus and we crossed over the border into Canada and I just burst into tears wow. I was like why am I so emotional and then I was like I realized I don't let myself miss him Right. right because if I did I'd be sad all the time yeah. so I just like Charles and Canada he's really happy he has an amazing life like he's yeah. living his best life out there but when I was, realized I was going to see him and spend time in his environment because mm. I only ever see him when he comes home mm. so I remember getting really emotional about it and being like oh my god and then the two of us were just winging the whole 40 hours mm. like, so amazing mm. <laughs> But like, yeah, he's like, we text about housewives all the time. He, he, lo- I write in a Substack newsletter and he like always replies to it. And it's like, yeah. I remember, don't remember that. 
but it was interesting actually what you said about people having different perceptions of their parents like mm-hmm. I see that with Joe and his sister they have entirely different perceptions relationships everything and I think Trevor and I and his brother would all have totally different perceptions of our grandparents mm-hmm. you know like there's, there's those relationships that are different like and mm-hmm. I, I don't think anyone can ever get everything from one person or get the same thing from from one person you know you, your family is kind of you have these wildly different dynamics with people and that's that's why when I was little I was like mom don't change our dynamic I love it <laughs> <laughs> and that is the thing you know like we you know people will say to us god geez you're from the-. they'll go how many siblings do you have like eight oh people like, always have an opinion yeah absolutely and they're like Jesus that was what that like now we all live all over the world so there's only yeah. two of them living in Ireland and you know thank god because I think we'd all bloody kill each other if we were right. all living around the corner from each there's other always- you know <laughs> two things that people say to me when they hear that I'm an only child and they hear that I don't want children of my own yes. so first of all they think that that's connected I don't think it is right. at all I yeah. think it's just who I am my personality and they say who's going to mind you when you're old yes and I say you have no guarantee that any child that you spawn will stay nearby so yeah. get that out of your head that's a very yeah. simple reason to have a child yeah. and the other thing they say is what if you regret it yeah. I mean having a child because of FOMO yeah. we actually don't want to is probably the silliest thing I've ever heard like yeah. FOMO so it's that's that's ego that's all sorts of psychological you know cognitive dissonances that you know it's not it's just not a reason if you don't want to and I've just always very much like gone with my gut on that and just been like you can't predict the future you, you can't have a child it just because you know x y and z might happen mm-hmm. or you might feel regretful or mm-hmm. you know people will never admit it but there are some people who regret it Mm. you know it's it's such a personal thing but what I found is that so many people have an opinion on everything Mm. like my mother works in the local chemist and people will go into her and go no grandchildren yet oh you might change your mind holy god might change your mind Mm. you know that kind of crack and I'm just like guys everyone just mind your own business I think the world would be a lot better of a place with a lot less hate and sadness and fear if people just minded their own business and let people be themselves (laughs) but I also to to sort of commend you Vicky for for being vocal about that because you know you are someone who you know my my niece has since she's been very very young I remember her being four years of age saying she never wanted to have children she never wanted to be a mum and she's now 21 and I was away with her sister last week my sister last week her mother and um she said oh well, she might change her mind and I just went well she and I you were the first person that popped into my head I love that that's my brand (laughs) (laughs) but you were though you were you popped into my head and I sort of berated my sister and I said well she doesn't have to change her mind like if that is what she wants and she has said that from a very young age yeah we need to respect that and 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 let her you know be the person that doesn't want to have kids and that's okay you know and my sister was like oh my god I know like whatever she wants whatever makes her happy you know la 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 I think Um, she's lucky being 21 now because people are a lot more open to, mm. to you know people choosing their own path or whatever when I, I started writing about it about 15 years ago when I was 22 mm. and people were just like oh shut up like you know you, you're who do you think you are in a few years you'll change your mind yeah. and I've been writing about it ever since I'm still writing about it and I think a lot of people thought once I you know met the one and had a wedding that I changed my mind some people said to me why bother getting married as if having children is the only reason you would get wow. married like it's wow so I mean I knew myself from a very young age Uh, oh my other favorite question people ask is what Joe thinks as Mm. if you know we never discussed it you know people just ran into marriage with me being you know I know it's unusual me not wanting children and not discussing it with (laughs) 
it's wild but I yeah I've really learned if there's one thing I've learned in the past year it's that people will have an opinion no matter what you do and you have to please yourself you can't go through life being like oh what if your one says this to me you know yeah and in Ireland that's very prevalent because people love to talk and Mm. love to gossip and and you know I get it we're a small country we're nosy we all know each other you know um yeah I've really learned to just try and just suit myself because who else is going to suit me no, no, a hundred percent. And like, you know, we, we, uh, Hannah Saunders put up a post today. She's in her ninth month pregnancy. She, yeah. she talked about everybody having an opinion. And I, you know, I think it's so true. I, you know, me making, trying to make this decision, everybody has an opinion on that. It's, it's uh, uh, also, you know, you're like the, that, that poem, you know, you, you'll, I can't remember who the poet is now. I'll remember Whit- Whitman, maybe you'll fuck your kids up no matter what you yes. do, you know, right? <laughs> exactly. Um, like, yeah. Erin, I commend you for being so honest about it as well, because so many people are struggling with the decision and they just, they're afraid to talk about it because yeah. it's not, you know, the norm or whatever. Yeah. But I think for me, being open is just the best possible thing you can do because yeah. it normalizes stuff. It does. And oh, you I help you. I think you you help so many other people, you know, particularly in, the, in that decision as well. It's it's so interesting. My, my nephew, when he was seven, announced that he was a vegetarian. Right. And we were like, <laughs> well, OK, whatever. Let him let him go through this phase. Yeah. And he's now, you know, 18 and still a vegetarian. And, yeah. you know, part of me thinks he's still doing it just to be stubborn because it's like because everybody <laughs> told him that he would change his mind. But it's like whenever anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But whenever anybody does anything that's individual or okay. in a non-normative way of a seven-year-old declaring himself as a vegetarian and yeah. Ella as a four-year-old just you know declaring herself as not someone who wants to have kids or whatever, it's um it's something that people just kind of don't believe because we're supposed to go down this route, this elevator that we've talked about, that I've talked about on the podcast before, where everybody is supposed to go down this, you know, super normative, married, have kids and, yeah. and, and do that. And if you don't, what's wrong with you and why aren't you? And it's um, it's bullshit because, you know, we should all just be doing whatever it is that we that we want to do. And exactly. you, know, you being so open and talking about it, I think, has really helped other people as well. well. Thank you. Well, like fear, I think, especially in this country when we were so, you know, cowed by the Catholic Church for so long and and people very much had to be in certain roles or you know something terrible would happen like I feel like we're still coming out of all of that and I I think we've made great strides with you know the referendums and the marriage equality and all of that but there's still so much of a way to go particularly these days with this you know this kind of um paradox of of how people treat one another these days and see you're are you right are you left are you up are you down it's I just feel like honestly if everyone minded their own business we would be <laughs> in a much better space and there'd be so much less like I don't know about you I'd be scared to log on to to social media sometimes you know you're seeing just awful things being said about people and mm. people fighting everything's very everything feels very kind of conflicted at the moment mm. So yeah, I've always just been a live and let live kind of gal and mm. I will continue to be. It's insane though how much like, you know, I, I am in discussions with a, a friend of mine about having a baby sort of together, a, 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 gay, friend, a gay couple, right? And uh, we're talking about that and we've, we've had several discussions around it and there's, you know, things are all sort of still, still decisions being made. But we've, we've met up and we've had discussions and all three, we the three of us have talked about things like, what if our child is what if it's trans how do we feel about that what will we put into place you know how will we handle that what will the conversation we've talked about technology how soon might the child be able to have access to a phone how much time will it be allowed to be in like crazy detailed things that you wouldn't have even talked about five years ago ten years ago do you know and it's like getting pregnant wouldn't have those chats no no, you know 
exactly so, exactly like, I think I think talking is key to absolutely everything communication being open talking your shit out I think yeah. that is that is just how humans should operate but I understand that not everybody is as open and some people will be a bit more frightened or a bit less vocal I get yeah. that but I think the more we talk to people that we love and trust about everything yeah. like th- that's what yeah. makes the world go around yeah, I have I have quite a few friends who are married who are who are in relation. I have a friend who never wanted to get married, never wanted to have kids. She's with her partner for twenty years, and they're like super happy. And you know, my other friend and his wife got married a few years ago. They don't want to have kids, and that's the decision yeah. that they've kind of made. Um, you but know, it is a decision. That's something it is that a decision. Yeah, don't realize it's a choice that you can make. Yes, that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that is important as well because there are a lot of people who aren't making that decision and are maybe childless because of circumstance or because of medical condition or something that is going on that they can't have and that is yeah and that is difficult and they have to forge a new future for themselves based off of a non-decision something that is kind of taken out of their hands and I used to feel guilty about that I'd be like I don't even know if I can have kids you know I've I've never even had a pregnancy script so I don't even know if I can but I remember taking that on to myself and putting that on my back like well some people can't even have them and you're deciding you don't want them but like that's just a fact of life like yeah just because maybe I could doesn't mean that I must you know yeah. and and my choice doesn't affect their choice at all um and or their lack of choice sorry and like you, things happen all the time good things happen all the time exactly did you being an only child I mean was was not giving your kids your your parents grandchildren a factor was that yeah. something that you had to reconcile with as well yeah that's something I felt guilty about but over the years they've just come to know me so well and they're they're actually the older I get the more independent they're getting which I love like they've started traveling further abroad and and kind of doing more stuff and having more hobbies and and that makes me really happy I mean I'm sure they would love grandchildren and they'd be amazing grandparents but my sister-in-law is like they can be pseudo grandparents to my kids she wants loads of kids so they're delighted about that they're like we'll mind them and we'll you know all of that so I mean, yes, I did feel guilty about that for a while, but again, I couldn't like do something just because I felt guilty either. Yeah. You know, something yeah. that would be so transformative to my life just yeah. please them. Like, and you know, when I was younger and we'd be, you know, talking about it, I'd be like, well, you know, I didn't have any choice in being born. <laughs> you know I mean, if you if you just had me to have grandchildren, then feck off. Like, but no, they're they're actually so super understanding. But my poor mom does have to deal with people asking her about it all the time. You know? Yeah, changed her mind yet? Or yeah. you know, oh, you poor thing, you'd make a lovely granny, which she would. But like like I said, there's opportunities for her to to be a, a type of grandmother. Yeah. And I think she'll both relish those and be thrilled that she can hand them back so easily. Yeah. So, yeah. But just, no, I'm no. a fan of like, uh, of who do you think you are? And just to see that sort of the, the family line kind of ending yeah. with you as well. Is yeah, sort of- I mean, like I remember my dad being happy when I got married and kept my own name. But then being like, oh, it won't go any further on my, you know, because I have an unusual name. It won't go any further on my side. But I'm like, you know, my books will have my name on them. They'll yeah. go on. <laughs> you know? Like I had a, a cousin, my dad's first cousin. She was my second cousin. And her name was Anita Notaro. And she worked in RTE for a long time. She was also a novelist in her. Um, she got very sick and died very quickly in her 50s. Um, she actually had early onset Alzheimer's. And she had a, such a prolific career. I never met this woman. No. I cannot move in the media industry. Even I was going into hospital for a routine procedure a couple of weeks ago. And the lady checking me in asked if I was related to Anita. Wow. Anita had no children. She yeah. had a husband and she had two dogs. Wow. And she has left behind this legacy of great work and people remembering her as a lovely woman. 
so if we can do that I'm yeah how fab oh that's lovely that's so nice and you're right no you're right and you know look this legacy is such a you know I think we talking about ego I think we in the world that we live in today we're so obsessed with sort of leaving behind this legacy and leaving this but like you know I don't know my grandparents names past my I past my my great-grandparents you know like we are just in history we we do get free our names don't get said very often and you know we if we can leave tangible things like books like poetry like songs or whatever great but we're only a very very small percentage of people that do that um but also, you know, you mentioned your 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 dogs and, you know, you are such a dog mom. And, um, <laughs> you know, like I, I'm going to have an episode soon talking about pet grief, talking about sort of losing yeah. a, a, a pet, because I think um, from for solo people, so many solo women and, and men, but so many solo people, you know, have a dog and they become yes. so much part of their life. And. Um, and certainly for me, that is the case with 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 Molly, as you know, Molly has come everywhere with me. My mother in law has her. We call her her life partner Eve. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They're, you know, they're going to the hip, and Eve is getting older. So yeah, like oh, absolutely. Like I'm such a dog mom, and I never want to say that in relation to babies because obviously I know they're different. Yeah. <laughs> Some people don't, but I I know that they're different. And look, I always want to acknowledge the fact that I know that I'm being unusual. You know, most people want to have kids. It's very normal and they go and do that. And that's grand. But if you don't want that, that's what I'm always trying to be like. If you if you truly don't want that, then you don't have to do it. And you can have dogs, you can have cats, you can have no pets, you can be completely independent. Mm-hmm. No husband, two husbands if you're, you know, yeah, if you're polyamorous. Yeah. Actually, no, I don't think that. Yeah, if you're polyamorous, you can have two partners. Exactly. <laughs> there's no set rule book for everybody and I think more and more people are understanding that now the more the world opens up to us um but with that then obviously with all that connection comes a lot of judgment and stuff like that so just do you like that's that's my baseline and I'm really excited to happens for you now whether you have uh, you're a single mother by choice or whether you have it with your friends or whether yeah. you don't at all and yeah yeah you know, no and that's the thing I'm... you have a lovely life <laughs> no absolutely absolutely and that's the thing I'm so I'm so I you know I, I I have a lovely life and I'm so happy and I'm so independent and I do lovely things and you know I I had to have um because whether I decide to do it with friends or whether I decide to do it on my own you know yeah. in Ireland annoyingly and angrily enough you have to have a mandatory psychological uh session with a psychotherapist yeah. um one session which I just think is ridiculous as well because what the, you waste the whole thing getting to know each other <laughs> yeah exactly like it's just ridiculous it's so it's so backwards the everything about it but I had that session recently and you know I said to the woman I said like I I'm perfectly fine. I'm 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 happy to 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 go down this route. And if I have, I have a wonderful life at the moment. And I know that there is a, also an opportunity to have another wonderful life exactly. that involves a child. But if that doesn't happen, I'm okay with that. I'm happy to explore it. I'm happy to take it all step by step and yeah. go through the process. And if the process works, fantastic. If it doesn't, yeah. that's okay. At least, you know, I've sort of I've 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 given it a go and I've tried and I've explored that option. And I suppose it is interesting because there is that element of regret. I know, I know in 10 years' time, I won't have to regret anything that I that I exactly. that I did, what I did. And if it works out, it doesn't. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. I think, you know, we're so lucky in this world now that we can, as single women, make the those choices and decide to to explore what opportunities are available to us which so many women didn't have before and yeah we're so lucky to be coming of 
age or grown we're, we're grown up now aren't we shit um, we're so lucky to be doing that now yeah. because you know if I was a woman in the 60s who didn't want children I wouldn't have had a choice because no. contraception wasn't available so if I was going to be with a man I was pretty much if I could get pregnant going to get pregnant and mm. you don't like you didn't have the same many you had you know mm. it was we're in such a we've come so far and obviously not far enough and we're still mm. fighting all the time um, and especially in some places in the world you know our rights are going backwards mm. but we have come so far and we're so lucky to live in Ireland in the moment that we do where we, mm. we can make decisions for ourselves yeah yeah absolutely it sounds so silly but it's true no it's so true I know it's so true okay. it's so true and just on the dog thing as well you know I know you lost Dora your little doggy yeah. and you have Jacko um but uh, like that is the that that thing as well where people say to you oh just get another one you know just just I know just <laughs> Oh my God. So I minded my friend's puppy recently. I was saying to Joe, like, I'd love, you know, I'm at home a lot of the time now. I'd love a puppy. Mm. And he was saying, it's not fair on Jacko. Like he's a baby old man. He's so glued to me now. I minded a friend's puppy and wow, he was intense. (laughs) So I think we're very happy with our little Jacko for like, you know, the vet said he could be around for years. He's very healthy. He's nearly 13. Um, And he's, he's the love of my life. Like he's an angel on earth. And we miss Dora so much, but she was a lot more, she was a much more difficult animal as in Mm -hmm. she had her, you know, she had separation anxiety and she was very vocal. And I mean, how it all happened was so sad, but my biggest worry when she was gone was that Jacko would be devastated. Mm -hmm. And when I tell you that he is the happiest little widower you ever met in your life. (laughs) he loves being an only child so yeah I mean it, oh no it was absolutely devastating how Dora went she went so quickly um but I felt like so grateful that we'd had all the pandemic time with her because yeah. I was at home for like the two and a half years before she died so yeah. we, you know we were together all the time um yeah. but yeah I mean having Jacko when she died definitely cushioned the blow because yeah. I still had a dog so when he goes now whenever that may be that would be difficult but I mean, I would be open to like adopting another senior dog if, you know, if I came across one that Jacko loved and that, you know, really needed a home. I, I'm totally wide open to to all of that now. So mm. I, I'm going to start volunteering and Joe's like, oh, no, she's going to come home. Oh, my God. Like six cats. Yeah. Four dogs. And we live in a very small house, so we, I can't yeah. do that. But yeah, I'm just I'm not going to get a puppy. That's one thing we've decided. We're going to yeah. let Jacko, you know, age out and maybe yeah. get an old friend for when he's when wow. he's very old yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, it's so it's so but like this is the thing you know we can give love and receive love in so many different so many ways. ways and we can be mothers to nature you know I had Phoebe before and I'm talking we're talking about you know being mothering of your plants mothering of your animals mothering oh, of your friends I'm such a plant mom you know? as well yeah 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 exactly yeah you I are mother my yeah. house I yeah. very much mother my house I'm always buying her little treats <laughs> <laughs> and yeah my friends like yeah like there's so many ways to express love like you said yeah. so many and yeah. that's something I think I've only really learned in the last couple of years like I wrote my substack last week about friendship and what I've learned about friendship at 37 yeah. and it's been such an eye-opening ride because growing up my friends were always very important to me because I was an only child and they were mm. you know the people that I hung out with and um, but I had these kind of ideal scenarios about friendship and it came from like watching films like beaches on repeat when I was a child (laughs) like I thought that I need one best friend that was everything to me you know so it's been such an interesting journey and now like my friends I've probably you know I count my friends on my fingers and they're all different and they're not all friends with each other and I never I never thought it would be like that like Mm -hmm. I feel like we grew up with friendship propaganda with friends Mm -hmm. 
like them all living <laughs> together you know what I mean yeah. and like these groups of friends being so important to one another and they are but like we all have our own lives 100 you know? like, yeah. percent. I so- actually my column in my next column in Irish Country Magazine is, is about friendship as well because my, oh, really? my yeah my last one was about solitude and, and having time time on your own and and then this one was about yeah because I put a post up on my Instagram just about how many new friends I've made this year and you know I think we there's such a stigma attached as well to the old friendships and how we have to hang on to them when actually a lot of time they don't serve us anymore so much and like especially when you grow up with people who are like wildly different to you and it's circumstances that keep you friends yeah Yeah. um I think absolutely I used to feel really guilty that I wasn't still really close with like my school friends yeah you know like I must be a bad person if I don't still have these friends but like like you said making new friends like I have all these interests now that I have time for Mm. and um one of them is like watching a lot of reality tv I'm fine (laughs) with that because it inspired my book (laughs) but I met a guy for coffee last week that I knew you know through work and I'd see at events but we ended up sitting for like three and a half hours and just chatting and it was just so lovely to have that kind of like camaraderie with somebody about Mm. something that I'm so interested in and then I have my dog friends and Mm. I have still have all my you know my work friends and they're still Mm. very important to me but Mm. like the opportunities as you grow up as you grow older to have friends from your interests I think is really really fascinating I think the more the older that we get the more sure of who we are so I think we start to like attracts like and I think you sort of the the amount of people that I've become friends with say this year who I've instantly become friends with like instantly like oh my god you're my tribe you know you're part of and you recognize that in one another much much quicker than you do when you're in your 20s when you're still trying to understand yourself and what you like and what you don't like and you know you're trying to figure that out but like I see it a lot with coaching I see it come up time and time again there is this 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 um sort of thing that's happening in society where people are feeling a bit lonely and they're feeling like yeah. they don't have friends um but they just don't know how to go about making them because yeah. they don't have these friendships that they've had since school days or you know uh, one of my one of my everyone's friends, doing different things or have moved yeah. away or yeah. yes well one of so my best hard. friends is from school but we left school and didn't see each other for about 15 years and then yeah and she moved into the same area that I was living in and she messaged me said did I just see you walk through the the you know the apartment complex I said yeah and she was like I'm living here and we've become really good friends but in the time that we were separated from school to now we went away to college had boyfriends had relationships you know grew up got to know ourselves and then we kind of came back to each other and you know yeah exactly so it's my um, my very best friend now yeah, yeah. Who you know yeah um like she is single and she's an influencer i want and... to get nadia on the podcast actually oh, get nadia on the podcast she's yeah. perfect yeah but like she and i went to school together so she is she was put sitting next to me in english class because I, I would talk to the new girl yeah. <laughs> and we've been friends ever since like we had you know a couple of bumps in the road where we weren't as pally for a couple of years here and there but generally she's been my closest friend since since i was 14 and i haven't seen her since january and mm-hmm. this is september right now in one way we blame that on our schedules and the fact that she's you know she travels for work and but we have wildly different interests like nadia is happiest up a mountain or in the gym like i like I like both of those things but I'm not like clamoring to do them Mm. and she's fiercely independent Mm. and she's often just off doing her own thing but we talk all the time um thanks to social media 
I'm always aware of what she's doing, you know, mm-hmm. where she is. Mm-hmm. And the voice notes go back and forth and we keep each other posted about our lives. So I think friendship can be so different as well. Like, you know, she only lives in Tala. I could go and, you know, we could arrange to have a coffee and we should do that. But it's not essential for us to be in each other's pockets to yeah. still feel really connected to one another, you know. Yeah. And there's certain things that I would only want to talk to her about and, yeah. and vice versa. And I have a really good memory for stuff. So she's always like, you know, what was that fella called you know, from 15 years ago? And how did that go down? Like I'll fill in the blanks for her. So I think friendship can come in so many different guises. You know, we don't totally. have to keep glued at the hip. We, we have very different lives. You absolutely need to get her on the podcast. Yeah. Oh my God. I have to know hundred percent. Yeah, please. No, definitely. And like, you know, look, the thing about it is as well, I sometimes people think that friendships are supposed to last forever. You know, yeah. there was this idea of BFF. Romanticized. Best friends forever, you know. And I play like, oh. beaches, honestly. Like I, <laughs> and like, you know, without any spoilers, I'm sure everyone's seen beaches, but like, you know, one of them dies and the other one adopts her child. Like, you know, <laughs> I'm, I used to watch that with my cousin Trevor every weekend. Like, yeah. no wonder, you know, we're both flamboyant musical loving people <laughs> in our old days. <laughs> But yeah. yeah, that really like it made it seem like you had to have a friendship, like you'd have a romance. Yeah, exactly. And but also, some, but also some romances. Rom- romances aren't meant to last forever, and I think that's the thing. You I know, think. we have this forever idea in our heads yeah. all the time. Whereas actually, I have so many friends that I I'm, aren't aren't friends with anymore, but they were yeah. perfect friends for that period for that of moment time in my life. life. Season. They're exactly. like a star for that season of your of your show. Exactly. Great, but you don't need them. Like yeah. sometimes I think, like, was I very silly saying till death do us part? But no, I don't. I think in some like you perform weddings, like yes, there's so much like space for relationships to be forever if you want them to be. Yeah. Or like, you know, there's no harm. Like sometimes I think I'm like, oh Jesus, I should apologize for being married, you know? No. Like it's it seems a bit naive to be like, oh yes, forever, like until yeah. we die. yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, again, that's why there, there's different kind of approaches to marriage these days. And some people were very happy co- consciously uncouple after a few. I saw someone the other day say uh, happily disentangling. About <laughs> I could get that. Like, I, I'm a romantic. I hope, you know, yeah. we're holding hands in our deathbeds. But mm. I'm also a realist and, and know that things can go wrong along the way and nothing is guaranteed in life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's how I just approach my life. Nothing mm. is guaranteed. And I actually really feel like that about my book at the moment, because in this limbo period, I'm like, everything with this book is now possible, but nothing is guaranteed. Mm. So that's the attitude that I'm taking towards it. Like, I hope it's very successful. I hope people buy it mm-hmm. and I hope I get to do more of them, but nothing is guaranteed. So I just have mm-hmm. to keep like a firm head in my shoulders about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah, that's that's the way I approach work and relationships and, and family as well. But that's oh. brilliant. And I love that. I love that as a mother, everything is possible, but nothing is guaranteed. Nothing is guaranteed. Think, you know, and I think that's absolutely how we all need to live our, 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 our lives with this air of wonderment and excitement about what could possibly be around the corner. Um, and, you know, of course, life is going to come up with come with ups and downs, but it's about how we react to them and how we how we live through them and, you know, and how we come out the other side of them. And I'm such a paradox as a person. I'm like, literally like, oh, you know, be free, be be single, be independent. And I'm like standing in front of people, literally marrying them. I married. A, I know, I married I love a couple. That. I'm marrying a couple on Friday. I married another couple last Friday. And I am a true romantic as well. I love, yeah. I love love and I love all of that. And I, but I think. But you know that it's only worth it if it's right. Exactly. Right? Like exactly. So many people will just be with someone for the sake of it or because it's, they have kids together. But I, I get that. I totally get it. Yeah. But for me, it was only ever going to, to be worth uh, 
any you know any amount of time together if it felt really right and was easy I think people have this idea that love and relationships are supposed to be difficult in a way like that you know they're fighting it it's it's work I mean I feel like life is work but my marriage is easy yeah and I think that's generally and like you know I, I also feel like I, I married the right person but if I hadn't met him I would have been quite content not to get married yeah you know that's, but that's it's attachment styles as well I mean you know like there are so many you know attachment styles of yeah. people who are actually fighting against each other and there and there that there is that push pull if you meet someone who is a you know a stable attached and another stable attached and those yeah. relationships can absolutely blossom and bloom and you know I can't believe I met him and we're married like I can't believe it it's still I still pinch myself because I'm like although I'm a wildly romantic person and my favorite things are romantic comedies and novels like I didn't think that I would meet somebody that understood me so well and like you said had a similar style to me mm. if, and had a similar we have very similar backgrounds and and very similar goals and I can't believe it he's like a unicorn so I often <laughs> say if he ever like leaves me or you god forbid if he drops dead I'm moving in with my gay best friend like yeah. I'm not I'm not <laughs> like trying to find that again yeah you know, I'll, I'll very happily um we'll very happily cohabitate and perhaps take lovers over yeah. the years yeah. Yeah. No, but it's like, you know, I have I have siblings who are married and I had a, my sister and her husband and they consciously uncoupled um, three years ago um, during the pandemic. And they have consciously recoupled ah. um, <laughs> in the last few months. Wow. Um, yeah. And, you know, like I have my, my, my you know, my two of, two of my sisters have been married to their husbands for over 20 years. And my other sister is divorced, but has an excellent relationship with her ex-husband and has a new partner that she's been with for years for five years six years now and they're madly in love so like I I, don't get me wrong I see working I see relationships working and I see love working all the time I'm surrounded by it my brothers his wife are like oh my god they're amazing amazing couple I married them um so you know I'm not a I'm not a cynic when it comes to love I'm not like Uh, I, you know, I absolutely believe in it, but I also believe that some relationships last forever, some don't. I also believe yeah, that totally people can be happy on their own and they can live very independent lives and they don't need to have another person in order to qualify them or to, you know, make them feel happy. And I think that's just the world that we live in now that yeah. we can make our own decisions and our own choices. And, you know, you're someone who, you know, makes her own choices and, you know, does her own thing. And it's really inspiring. Like, like I say for me to think of you the first person when my sister was like maybe my niece will change her mind you know I think we need more people to be vocal about those things yeah. so that we can have a person spring into our mind when we when we are come up against a non-normative thing well, let me great. just say that that my book is full of non-normative um approaches obviously like <laughs> so yeah it's something that I've explored through fiction now and and hopefully that that can reach people as well so brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. well I'm so excited for it to come out I can't wait and um, <laughs> yes please do send me a pre a pre-order oh, well, copy course. I would love the, the proof copy um but where can people find you if they want to hear more about you Vicky yeah so I guess like my Instagram is probably where I mean you can find me for because I link to everything through that so I'm just at Vicky Notaro and I write a Substack every Tuesday and it's free and it's basically just I just want I write about what I want to write about and I don't have to worry about like an editor commissioning it or you know taking it apart because it's not what they want it's very it's a mix of like relationships life pop culture it's great I love it I, I get oh, it every yeah I subscribe, uh, thanks so subscribe, much. subscribe. <laughs> and then yeah I have a Wikipedia a, a great name by the way Wikipedia, Wikipedia. 
yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've, uh, I've actually got a new column reviewing podcasts in the Sunday Times, would you believe? <laughs> wow. So that's a bit of crack. Yeah, it's really fun. Well, you'll have to. I mean, you know, I'm not going to say oh. Solo Pirate has been nominated Hello. as the best new podcast I in know, the podcast congratulations. Award. <laughs> that's, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah, it should be, there's so many Irish podcasts. I was like, wow, I've got like two years worth of material here. So I'm oh. delighted. Um, And yeah, so I do that. So they, they'd be all the regular bits where you can find yes. me. And then I'm sure there'll be a marketing blitz when my book comes out. So yes. there'll be pre-order yes. links coming out the wazoo. Amazing. Now, thank you so much. It's been such a lovely conversation. We've we've gone, me. you know, in all kinds of tangents yeah. and had lovely conversation, but I think it's been really good and um inspiring as always. So Vicky, oh, thank, thank you, you so much. Thanks for the lovely podcast. A great idea and congratulations. Thank what? you. Thank okay. you.